Hi, and welcome to this episode of I've Got This Kid. I'm your host, Sharina Williams, homeschooling mom, speech and language pathologist, and wife of one. I am so excited that we're continuing to keep the ball rolling with the Living With series. And today I have with me Crystal, who is living with a son who has hearing loss. And I'm going to let her take it from here. Crystal, introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Crystal Pearson, and I have a nine-year-old son named Lawrence who has a slight hearing loss in his left ear. Thank you for sharing that, Crystal. So let's just get right into it. When did you find out? So I found out that my son had a hearing loss when he was in the first grade. San Francisco Unified School District actually has audiologists who comes on a campus once a year to kind of just check all of the students hearing. And he actually failed the test. However, he has been to multiple tests during yearly doctor visits, which he would always pass all of those tests. But come to find out that those tests aren't accurate because the children move so much. So you can't really get an accurate test of a child's hearing until the age of five is what I was told. Um, so even though he passed all of those hearing tests, when an audiologist came and actually did one on, on campus, she said he had failed. And it was like, he failed, but he's passed all of these hearing tests. And then that's when I got a note saying, take him to his um, audiologist so that he can get further hearing. And then that's when I took him to his audiologist at the age of six and come to find out that he did have a, a hearing loss. OK. And did they classify it as mild, moderate, severe? Um, it was very mild. OK. Um, yes. So he was able to hear, but he just couldn't pick up on certain sounds. Okay. So, for example, um, just him and this is us as parents not knowing as well that I have a nephew called Lamarion, but he would always call him Rarion. So just not picking up on the L sounds or the ch sounds is kind of something that we missed as um, as when as in his speech. Um, also, him always having the TV up on loud. But we just thought that that probably was us because when we get in the cars, we like to listen to our music on loud. But it was just him not being able to to kind of hear that. To hear what was going on. Interesting. To hear what was going on. To hear, that's interesting. So <laughs> just for you listeners out there, hearing loss can happen one of two ways. It can be a genetic induced hearing loss or it can be a noise induced hearing loss. Did you guys ever find out what kind of hearing loss it was? Um, we didn't. I don't think we did too much. However, I know that um, when he he had to go through a whole CAT scan and everything, too, because they just they thought that maybe it was a busted eardrum. Um, but come to find out, it was just something like after they did the CAT scan, his eardrum was totally fine. It was something that didn't develop while he was um, in my womb. Interesting. That was. Yeah. So that was that. That's what the outcome was. OK, so it was in utero. And for you guys out there yeah. in utero means that when she was pregnant, a part of his ear um, canal did not develop the way that it was supposed to develop. And so this was something that he was actually born with. And at the age of nine, newborn hearing and vision screenings were a requirement. So this was something that was completely overlooked, not on part by the parent, but just because sometimes these things happen. So I want to get a little bit back into like some of the sounds that you were saying that he was unable to hear. Did you at the time feel like the sounds that he was not using 
was developmental, like he just hadn't mastered all his speech sounds or you just kind of just was like, I guess that's just what it is and it'll work itself out. So a a lot of it came from like, you know, him as a young child developing language. Um, And it was like, oh, okay, he's calling his little his cousin Rarion. That's cute, which we still call him to this day. Um, And then it kind of just led to him always saying certain things. But however, he was a very good lip reader as well. So Ah. that was one of the things that he kind of, you know how they say that, that second sense kind of kick in. So he was was good at lip reading. Yeah, he was compensating (laughs) for the hearing loss. So he was really good at lip reading, which that was something that we never caught on to. So then we will have to start. So when he did pronounce things certain different ways, we'll just be like, no, it's a train. And then, you know, uh, I mean, a, I'm sorry, a tata train. And then it'll be more like, oh, OK. And then he'll kind of repeat it. But it never kind of dawned on us that it was a hearing impairment at by any means. It was just like, OK, you just need extra help in in pronouncing things or getting a sound thing. Because as we know, the American language can be a bit tricky. It was right. always one of those ones, too, where it was like, OK, this is phone. But he's looking at it like, well, where's the F, you know? Right. So those were kind of things that we always kind of came up like, okay, maybe it's just because different, the pronunciation, the the pronunciations in different American words is confusing to him. So then that was our, like, you know, us looking at it like that. Right. Right. So that was the resolve that, okay, mm-hmm. the American language is tricky, which it is. Our sound mm-hmm. system mm-hmm. is so tricky. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. when it's time to decode it and turn it into words, that opens up a whole nother Pandora's box. Right. Um, so right. It's totally easy to see how you took that and was like, well, he's just not mastering or, or he's having right. difficulties transitioning from hearing the sounds to putting those sounds together and making words. Right. 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 So but, that was that was us. so like still the hearing thing never came up to us as in. You know, maybe he just can't hear. Like, still, that was never a topic. Right, right. Now, do hearing loss, does hearing loss run in the family? Does anybody else have any hearing loss? No, not not on my side of the family that um, I know of. Um, However, I, uh, no, no, not on my side of the family. I'm not sure with Lauren's. I don't think on Lauren's side of the family, neither hearing loss is, is an issue as well. No. So we know in that case, like, so it's like <laughs> you have this kiddo and you're like, well, he's little and he's, right. he's substituting these sounds. And now it's time for him to make this transition from using the sounds, using the words, turning it into reading our pre-literacy skills, because what mm-hmm. we hear and what we say is going to be transferred into how we interpret what we read. Um, mm-hmm. And if you have this this gap to where you're not hearing sounds the way that they're supposed to be at certain frequency levels, then it definitely makes reading become difficult. Mm-hmm. And so I find it so interesting that this was just completely overlooked and nobody <laughs> knew. So what were some things that you guys were doing? Do you feel like at the time, in hindsight, like you were using a higher speaking volume when he wasn't looking at you? Or did you feel like you had to call his name more than once if he wasn't looking at you? Mm-hmm. Um, or were you guys naturally loud talkers to where it, it really didn't matter because you guys <laughs> are naturally loud? Like, how did that process go? So it's a it's kind of a little bit of both. 
So I know anytime I would always call him, it would always be, huh? And I'm like, I know you hear me. Don't say, huh? <laughs> Just come. And you know, and it was, <laughs> and then too, like he was in a summer program. And this was one thing that kind of caught me too. And this was actually before he was starting his first year of kindergarten. Um, he was in a summer program and they were on a walking trip and the counselor she came up to me after and was like, hey, like I was trying to call Lawrence. He totally ignored me, you know, and then I had a conversation with him after. I was like, you know, um, Counselor Stephanie said that you were ignoring her. Why? He was like, mom, I didn't hear her. And I was like, you heard her. You were just ignoring <laughs> her because you was talking to your friends, you know, and then I look at, I look back on things like that now and I'm like, oh my gosh, like these was all signs that I sh- should have paid attention to, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I just, I kind of beat myself up as a parent and also being like an educator that, these are signs I also tell my my parents. So why wasn't I aware of this in my own household? So I, I still kind of beat myself up about it a lot um, because it was like all of these signs was here just by him listening to the TV on 70, by me calling him and him saying, huh? And then two, always him kind of, if you're on his left side, which is where he has the hearing problem, he he really can't hear you. So you also, you have to talk on his right side and he can pick up on it like that. And it was just like all of those things were like, geez, how can I let this pass me? You know? Right. Right. Um, but but yeah. So that was always and it was funny because like even when he was doing the the testing in the box um with the audiologist, he made him turn around so that he couldn't read no, his lips. <laughs> the lip read. He was like, turn around oh, and I'm gonna Lord. say it and you let me know if you can hear it. And I was like, Gosh, this kid has been so good these past literally like seven years. By then. So from the time it started mm-hmm. to a year later of actually being mm-hmm. able to get the testing in order, because I understand the process is no joke. Like you have to go to your pediatrician, you have to get a referral, yes. then you have to get on the waiting list to get the audiologist and then you get the appointment. And then at that time, they they may or may not get well, they usually give you the results right then. Mm-hmm. But then you have to mm-hmm. wait for them to do the the fitting for the hearing aid and then you have to wait for the hearing aid and then there's the gap between the insurance so <laughs> and insurance don't even cover hearing aids which is the thing they'll cover all of the appointments but hearing aids is not part of an insurance plan oh my god so you actually have to pay for a hearing aid on your own so then that's another thing too a hearing aid is not expensive it's not the cost of glasses no those like fifteen hundred dollars and up right Right. You know, and and, and they change. You have to change them out and they change and you have to change them out every three years. Mm-hmm. And then my thing, too, was, OK, this is a very little device. What if he loses it? You mm-hmm. know, I think you only get like one free one within mm-hmm. that time frame. And then the rest, you'll just have to buy. And I was I was it was just like, OK, we gonna have to constantly, constantly, constantly go over this. But he's been doing really, really well. He had he lost it once at the symphony. Okay. Out of all places, out of all places, you lose your hearing aid at the symphony. I can understand probably why you didn't want to hear it. It was too loud. It's it too loud because sometimes if the if it listeners if the hearing aid is not adjusted, then the yes. sound can be loud and it can be blaring 
And the brain, the way that it transmits sound is through sound waves. And so those sound waves go through your ear canal and then it turns into electrical impulses as it goes to your brain on the left side to interpret it as speech. I know that sounds a lot more heady than what it is, but it's pretty simple. It's just energy moving from outside to inside to your brain. So if it's too loud, it can sound like maybe cats scratching the wall <laughs> or like it could be interpreted for the brain in a way that it that a person does not want to hear so I can understand how he yeah. lost it at the symphony poor guy yes. <laughs> bless, yes, his yes. Heart. bless his heart yes. and so that leads yes. me to the next thing that I want to educate you listeners out there about types of hearing aids because there's two different kinds there are the actual small hearing aid devices that we see people with that maybe um, in their ears and they've definitely changed over time to where you can see them but they're not quite as big and cumbersome and noticeable but there's also the cochlear implants to where those ones have to be like implanted directly into your brain because there's a there's difficulty getting sound from the ear canal transmitted again to the brain so for LJ, Lauren, he has a smaller device that you can see the traditional device. He doesn't have the one that's transmitted to the brain because, again, part of the ear canal didn't develop the way that it was supposed to in order to to transmit that sound. So you go through this process. He's in the Mm -hmm. office. He's getting the testing done. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this kid has been compensating the whole time, I had yes. no clue. I want to touch on the mommy guilt because I talk about mommy guilt a lot. And mommy guilt is a real thing. Um, if you're a mm-hmm. parent and you are any in any way, shape, form or fashion active in your child's life, there's going to come a point in time to where you feel like, did I do everything that I was supposed to do? Did I exhaust everything within me to make sure that this person has what they need or if something happened um, to where you couldn't control it. Because in this case, Mm -hmm. like there was no way to know because he was passing all of these Mm -hmm. hearing tests. So it wasn't like you guys were missing appointments. It wasn't like you guys weren't following up with his appointments. It was Mm -hmm. just that he Mm -hmm. was one of those kiddos that was overlooked which we call Mm -hmm. an accident. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I want to encourage you in that there's nothing to be guilty about because accidents or things that we can say are overlooked happen for a reason because it makes us all the more knowledgeable for Mm -hmm. those around us Mm -hmm. and looking for signs. So once you guys knew, it's confirmed, hearing loss is Mm -hmm. here What were some general things that you guys had to change? I heard you say you sit like on his right side to talk to him at this point Mm -hmm. because that's the stronger um, ear. What are some Mm -hmm. other things that you guys had to do? Um, So a few things that we we had to do. So he was a little embarrassed as well about wearing a hearing aid because, of course, how many children wear hearing aids in school? Um, so he was very so it was just kind of like bringing up his esteem to wear a hearing aid. Um, so, for example, it was just like, you know, letting him be part of the picking out process, um, encouraging him, showing him videos, reading him books of um, other young people around his age being able to wear hearing aid and I think the thing that really sparked to me was it was one Halloween and a little boy 
that maybe probably was around the same age as him has had a hearing aid as well. And he was like, look, mom, that boy has a hearing aid like me. I said, told you. And he's not afraid to wear it. You know, so it was just like having those conversations, especially like before school, because he'll either sometimes like put on his hoodie in class to kind of block it. And then, you know, it was just like asking questions like, well, why are you like, like, has anybody said anything about it? And he's like, no, I'm like, well, why do you feel like you have to hide it? You know? Right. And he's just like, because none of my friends wear it. I was like, and that's totally fine. That just makes you even more special. Like this thing is to help you hear better. It's not, it's not to hinder you or make you feel bad in any way. So it's just like having a lot of those conversations to kind of build it up um, as well as making the teachers aware of it. Right. Um, and then kind of doing pop-ups in class. <laughs> like <laughs> you need to wear it. <laughs> um <laughs> It's no other way around it. But yeah, just just like constantly literally having those conversations, which he's getting better at to where I don't even have to have, you know, those conversations anymore. He just knows you put it on in class or you can put it on before you get to class and then just wearing it in class um, during those times. And then at recess and things like that, you don't have to wear it. You don't even have to wear it on the weekend. You know, it's just literally for school when you're in the classroom and that's it, which then made him feel more comfortable. Like, okay, I don't have to wear it forever. And I get it because it's something that's new and it's something that he's not used to because he didn't have it the whole seven years of his life as well. And then um, even when he did get it, he started to get headaches because that part of the brain wasn't used to to hearing and being able to function. So it's like, well, I can hear, you know, I can hear fully sensory so overload did, mm-hmm. sensory overload big time so like he wouldn't even keep it in his ear like literally the first day he got it he wouldn't keep it in his ear for no more than like 15 minutes My because goodness. it was just like a headache and, and um, the audiologist did say that that was one of the side effects because of course that part of the brain is not used to functioning mm-hmm. right so that was one of the things so then like over time just having those conversations with him over and over and over but But like besides school and things like that and like building up his self-esteem with it, we really don't do much anything different. I I learned to accept the hum because I'm like, okay, he can't hear me. So I'm not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) I learned to accept the hum so he doesn't get any backlash after that. And then just making everybody aware of of his situation as well. So like especially like when he goes to new programs, because I don't make him wear like in his summer programs and things like that, but just making the counselors and everybody aware that this is something that um, he has. It's new. So, you know, he's he's coping with it. And I think that's where the person first language comes in is that, yes, you do have a hearing loss, but that's not the only thing that defines you. Like you're the same person that you were prior to understanding and knowing that you do have a hearing loss and that you do need some support but that doesn't stop you from being who you are and Mm -hmm. all of the amazing things about you prior to are still Mm -hmm. there this is just one part of your life it doesn't define your entire life it just makes you like you said more special in your own way Mm -hmm. because he's going to be able to relate to a population that you know, well, audiology is my sister field. It's still I don't have a hearing loss, so I can't relate in in that way. Just like for people mm-hmm. who are completely deaf or hard of hearing, you mm-hmm. know, the sign language community is strong and thriving and I'll mm-hmm. never understand their journey. And while I understand like what happens biologically, like 
they have their own special community going on. And so just continuing to empower him is really the best thing that you can do for him. Mm -hmm. um, So he's not feeling that way or feeling ashamed Mm -hmm. or uncomfortable or having that machismo attitude. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Real men don't wear hearing aids. Like, right. I mean, because it's it's, it's, it's something that can be fixed. Yes. Like you're literally going to have to have this your entire life. It's something that cannot be fixed, you know, um, unless somebody comes up with something spectacular 20, 30 years from now. Right. However, science has to catch up. uh, Right. (laughs) Right. But this is something that you're just going to have to deal with. And, and, you know, so as long as he has that built up, then I feel like that's one of the most important things. Absolutely. um, Absolutely. So how did your family members respond? Um, Not the family members within the house, because Mm -hmm. I know that you guys work together to cope together to do whatever Mm -hmm. needed to be done. But how did family members respond? Um, they were a little shocked. Everyone was was definitely a little shocked, especially my mom. She was like, are you sure? And I'm like, (laughs) like like I'm sure I mean because I think it came so much as a shock for everyone too because it's like we don't have hearing loss anywhere in both families right you know um so I think that's why it was so surprising because even my mom tried to go back and like look at her siblings her aunts and great aunts and it was like no and then like Mm -hmm. Lauren kind of went down which is Lauren is my husband who kind of went down his line, it was like, no, like, I don't like not until, you know, they get older right? to where you kind of have to wear hearing aid. But like being right. young, like we had like maybe like, you know, other um, disabilities in our families, but never deafness, mm-hmm. never like Lauren even had a cousin that was completely blind, um, but never any deafness. So no, it was here, it was yeah. definitely no. Yeah. So it was definitely one of those ones where our families was all like shocked, surprised, like, are you sure? Because <laughs> I hung around him all this time and he can hear me very well. And I'm like, you guys are yelling. <laughs> you know? or, Best case scenario. <laughs> Best case scenario. You guys are always yelling. Of course he can hear you guys, you know? So it was, it was, it was definitely like more questioning us. Like, I don't know. Cause the boy here perfectly fine. Oh when, God, you know, when I'm no, talking. So, so it was just, no. So, <laughs> but everybody definitely was was very supportive like even now he don't they haven't even seen him with his hair and like I said he really only wears it at school so still it comes that question and I still have to just explain to people like yes he does but you know they were definitely very supportive of of it but it's not really much conversation around around his hearing because like I said they never see him with it in his ear it's really only for school purposes okay Interesting. So what adjustments outside of him wearing it at school? So here comes day one. He's got to wear this hearing aid at school. How did that go socially with his peers? Like, did you guys notice any differences or was it again going back into like he was feeling insecure about wearing it or funny about wearing the the hearing aid? It was it was more of him. So. When he first got the hearing aid, he was excited. He was excited to pick it out and everything like that. And then when he wore it to school that first day, he was excited. Then he wasn't excited anymore. And I was like, you know, you were excited about getting this hearing aid. Why are you not as happy now or don't want to wear it anymore? Like, are people talking about you or saying anything? He was like, no. 
but I guess for him, he just felt uncomfortable because nobody else around him had it and it. had one. Okay. So, so I think that was his, his biggest thing. And like I said, just having conversations around that, okay. um, made a huge difference, but Otherwise, no, his friends and, and, and everybody around him was very supportive. They didn't even pay it no mind because it's really like something that just small. slides in the back of your, it's small. Yeah. It's, it's not like the big ones that they had back in the eighties or, you know, it's just like literally one that, is, that just goes behind your ear. Right. It's right. not big. So like half his friends didn't even notice it. Okay. You know, I think it was just more of his self feeling it. Yeah. Cause he hadn't had it all that time. How about the teachers? How did the teachers help to compensate in the class if they needed to? Did they make any mm-hmm. adjustments? Um, how were they throughout the process? The teachers were awesome throughout the process. Um, they had moved up his his seat. So he and literally in every class since the first grade, he sits in the front facing the teacher with his right ear. San Francisco Unified School District does this thing called a 504 plan. Yes. If you're eligible, then you could get the hearing aid as well as the teacher will wear this thing around her neck. The device, the speaking um, device. The device, mm-hmm, the speaking device. So they were all for like accommodating us with those things as well. But our teachers were very, very supportive. And they were so awesome that when he did not wear it, I would get a phone call at retest <laughs> or I would get an email <laughs> letting me know that he did not have his hearing aid on and that they had to speak with him several times. So like I said, they have always been supportive nice. and literally on top of it. Like I still, he's in the fourth grade now and he's been wearing a hearing aid since the second grade. So he's in the fourth grade now. So I would literally get an email or phone call. Like he didn't have his hearing aid. His fourth grade teacher even made a chart Ooh. of like all of his hearing. Yes. So like, of course, when he lost it at the symphony, she was like, you know, lost, lost, lost. Oh, he had his hearing aid on during this time. He had his hearing aid. On. Yes. So they have been really, really supportive and on nice. top of this. Um, cool yeah. Notes. Like even a principal will go and check. Cool like the principal. <laughs> Good old San Francisco Unified. Yes. 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 So I, I just been really grateful to have that great support system from his school. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Man, I couldn't ask for more because that power of collaboration mm-hmm. honestly makes all the difference in the world. Totally. Like it totally makes the biggest difference in the world. So Big as time. far as like his school, so the peers were great. The educators mm-hmm. were great. How did he do academically? Did you guys, I know you mentioned like there were some difficulties initially around six, kind of taking the sounds that he had been using and hearing and Mm -hmm. changing it or transferring it into like reading. Mm -hmm. And parents out there, this is why reading and talking to your kiddos is so important because the more that they hear when it's time for them and the bigger their vocabulary is when it's time Mm -hmm. for them to transfer those sounds into words and those words into reading, the more of a sound and language repertoire that they have, the smoother a transition it is when it's time to start reading and working on phonics. So how was that process academically? So that process was fine, of course, after we got the the hearing aid. However, 
like I said, he's a he's a very tr- tricky one. Um, mm-hmm. but I do know, like in school, he'll always he. Um, no matter what grade he came in, this has always been a pattern that we have seen since kindergarten um, up to now is that in his reading level, he's always at um, the reading level before. But by the end of that um, year of that grade, he catches up to the reading level he's supposed to be on. So that has been one thing that we have kind of been working on with him is just kind of catching him up on his reading level, which is a struggle for him because he always just feels like reading is not one of his best things. Mm-hmm. However, um, we had a team meeting at um, his school the other day with the principal, his teacher, his math teacher. And I almost was in tears when the principal came up to me. She was like, let me show you what Lawrence read at morning circle on a microphone in front of everybody. And I was like, my jaw dropped. I said, <laughs> huh? she said, yeah, she said he read Word for Murray. And it was a book um, about hidden figures. And it, it talked Aww. about one of the women in hidden figures. And um, of course, this is Black History Month. He read it. She said he read all of that nonstop on a microphone, morning circle in front of everybody. And my jaw just dropped. And I was like, oh, my kid. She was like, I know. She was like, because, you know, he's he's shy and and he he he's a little more like, you know, and I was just like. Oh my gosh, but that is such big improvement. And then too, also to hear that um, now he's caught up in his reading. So he's at the reading level he's supposed to be on um, in fourth grade as well. Um, He now goes and kind of just reads on his own and he reads everything. (laughs) So, you know, it's, it's, I mean, I was parking the other day and he was like, you can't park here. It says no parking from this time to this time. And I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> that was helpful okay thank you <laughs> you know so so it's just some things he does still have a hard time pronouncing and like I said I think it's just due to the whole English language because he'll he'll have kind of the right thing because I do have him read out loud and then you know when you're when you're hearing it you're like wait a minute that doesn't sound right mm-hmm, and then you go mm-hmm. over to the book you're like that's not what it says you know so it's <laughs> right, just right. still yeah, I think it's just more of the English language versus him having that hearing problem. Right, because he didn't receive... what he struggles with. Yeah, because he didn't receive speech therapy in the process. No. He didn't receive no. speech. And so um, some kiddos do end up having to receive speech therapy depending on the level of severity of the hearing loss or the gap in time that um, children are supposed to pick up or acquire sounds. And so if sounds are not acquired by certain age milestones, and it depends on who the researcher is, who produces it. But we have like a general idea in our world of when we want to see kiddos master a certain sound. And so for him, because his hearing loss was mild, he did not need the extra support of a speech Mm -hmm. therapist. It's more so of him needing the support when reading becomes more complex, because we know that every year the reading becomes a more a, a lot more complex. And after the right. third grade, you've moved from decoding to mm-hmm. comprehension. And so it's mm-hmm. a big game changer, which is why a lot of times families out there see the biggest the biggest drops in their kids academic success or their academic career, usually around third grade, because so much more is being 
added to the table, you're no longer just decoding, but you're you're now having to take that information and interpret it. And it just gets mm-hmm. a little bit more complex every time, which is why the um, reading sometimes is still a bit difficult because he's still trying to master mm-hmm. um, the the language, the the reading. I hope that makes yes. sense to everybody. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. So what tools were the most helpful for you in this process? I would just say the mo- the tools is just um, going through the process, like like going through the process, having a very um, awesome team, because, of course, me and my husband, we knew nothing about deafness. We knew nothing about the process. Um just the school, just like even recognizing it, um, bringing it to our attention. I would say those were the most helpful tools and kind of walking us through the whole process of, of things that need to happen next. Um, they had an awesome social worker that was also on campus, um, who was just like, this is what needs to happen because of course we're still like, it's still a shock to us. Like, where do we begin? Where do we start? Okay. After this, just knowing the whole process, but I would just say, just having a, a awesome team to to kind of walk us through the whole process, family, yourself included, to kind of just, <laughs> you know, let us know and, and always make us, um, you know, knowledgeable as well on on things like this. So I would say, yeah. So see, yeah. listeners, the power of community and collaboration. If you know something is going on or you suspect something is going on, get community behind you because we're not an island we can't do this Mm -hmm. on our own typically developing child or atypically developing child like we need each other so you guys don't be afraid to go out there and be transparent about Mm -hmm. what's going on to get the help that you need because you never ever ever know what the person next to you is gone through what their mm-hmm. experiences are and the wisdom that they can bring to the table. Like you don't know. So that's why we don't judge books by the cover. And that's why we're nope. here. <laughs> that's why we're here shedding light on these real things that are happening to real people. What advice would you give to parents? I would say if you have, it's kind of like um, how they say, Follow your first mind. So if you suspect anything um, or just sit back and observe your child um, is one of the main things I always tell people. Sit back, observe your child. If you have any questions, go to parent um, meetings. Reach out to other parents. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely reach out to your children, teachers, because what your children do in front of you, they might do differently um, in the classroom. So just right. like building that communication uh, with your child's teachers. And just sitting back and observing your kids. Don't let anything pass you. Always question it. Always do your research on it. Like I said, I still feel guilty because as an educator, that's something that I should have did myself. Like this is things right. I tell my parents all the time. You know, I I tell my parents all the time and it's kind of like I feel like a hypocrite to a certain extent because it's like I'm not doing it. You know, just looking at your child, observing your child, focusing on your child, learning your child. Um, They're going to always go through different stages as they age. Absolutely. Um, And and if you are or feel like something 
or you see something that you feel is, I'm going to put that in quotations, not normal because there's no such thing as normal to me. Right. Um, with your child, ask questions, reach out. You know, you you just never know. You just right. never know. Right, right. Absolutely. See, listeners, somebody else says it too. To listen, <laughs> observe, and ask questions and just don't be afraid of that process. And I think, you know, with the mommy guilt that comes along with it, it has become for you, whether you see it at this point or not, not an empowering tool. Mm-hmm. It's an empowering tool because you're going to be able to use this experience to reach so many other people who went through this process because it wasn't like negligence was going on. It mm-hmm. was the days in and days out of being mommy, being a parent and just getting through the day like let's get through the day so there's there's no guilt around that but I think there's a powerful testimony in it Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. be encouraged in this process definitely be encouraged also have a younger son who will be three so it's just like me observing him like I even (laughs) test him out I'll turn the TV way down on low and I'm like if he turns it up (laughs) wait a minute you know just 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 kind of being more aware and observing right. him as well has been huge for me. You know, just right. just even though they say siblings sometimes are different, but you can never be sure. Right. You know. Right. And so that's where we go always back to parents out there five to seven minutes every day with your child. If you are busy and you're out there in the hustle and bustle of the world, Five to seven minutes is all that you need to start with just to start getting FaceTime with your child and to not only play with, but observe. Like it's not Mm -hmm. supposed to be a tedious task, but it's really supposed to be that time to establish communication, establish Mm -hmm. relationship with your child. So as things change and transition, you'll be the one who knows First, and you can kind of sound the alarm like, hey, I see something that doesn't look right, feel right or smell right. And I want to get some support around that. So parents, I Mm -hmm. encourage you to continue to advocate for your child, have fun with your child and love your child and just make the most because you only got one time to be an amazing parent. And and that's all you get. Like you might have 10 <laughs> kids, but you only have one time for each kid yes. to be the best that you can be. And that's defined differently by each household. So I want you guys mm-hmm. out there, if you take nothing else away from this, being aware, staying within community and just being open about what's happening. Because, again, you never know who's around who can help mm-hmm. you. Is right. there anything else you want to add, Crystal, that you want to tell the listeners out there? Not one of really many words. Um, <laughs> um, um, but, you know, parenting doesn't come with instructions. It, it right. definitely doesn't come with instructions. So we're learning day by day with our children and things are going to come up. And like, you know, we've been talking about this whole time. Just don't let it pass you. If you have any questions about it, reach out to somebody, get advice. Do your own research as well and just definitely learn your child, communicate with your child. Like literally me and and my oldest, we have these 10 minute talks, no radio, no nothing in the morning, you know, just to get his day going, just to see what's going on in in his head um, before before I drop him off at school. Things like that. But definitely just communication is key with your child. 
and just building those relationships is 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 awesome. But those five to seven minutes a day is definitely helpful. Even if you have to cook, you could sit down next to your child. Or I mean, you, or you can have your child come in the kitchen, sit at the table, and and, and you can kind of look over them or mm-hmm. or or talk to them as you're still cooking, or even have them come help you out. Throw something in the garbage. Wash off something. You know, just those little key moments are are very important. I remember I was having a conversation with my cousin the other day, and I'm like, you know, you don't. Anytime you spend time with your child, it doesn't always have to be spending money. Right. You know, the little things matter. And when mm-hmm. I sat back and I looked at my son's journal, he never spoke about, oh, I enjoyed going to Disneyland with my mom. Oh, I enjoyed. Um, going to the park. It was always little things of him helping me cook or little conversations that we have in the morning. It was those simple things. And I'm like, oh, so he really does enjoy this time with me. Right. You know, so just continuing to build on that. Um, Yeah. Words spoken like a true he rests, (laughs) y'all. Words spoken like a true champion. Crystal, (laughs) thank you so much for coming out here and being bold and just telling your story. I think that it's going to impact so many lives out there and that you've just only begun and you got a lot of work ahead of you. So listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, if you have any questions, never hesitate to reach out to me at questions at I've got this You can also find me on social media Yes, I'm getting even used to saying it. You can find me on social media. I have two Instagram pages. One is I've Got This Kid podcast and Sharina William SLP. I also have a a Twitter account, Sharina William SLP one and also a Facebook page. You can find me at Sharina Williams. You can post your questions there. You can email and post those questions. And listen up, you guys. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, like a good meal, you tell people. So spread the word out there. Leave comments, questions, suggestions. We would love to hear from you. Until the next time, y'all, take care.